0: All right, well, we're there in Nehemiah, chapter number 6. And if you remember last week, we dealt with the first part of the chapter, and we talked about distractions. And if you uh, weren't here for that sermon or you missed that sermon, I'd encourage you to uh, grab the CD. They're absolutely free. In the back, we've got preaching CDs. You can check it out on the website. But uh, to this morning, we're going to be uh, starting in verse number 5. Uh, if you remember verses 1 through 4... Uh, They were trying to distract Nehemiah. They wanted to bring him off the wall. And they they understood that if they could distract him, then they could destroy the work that he was doing. And, of course, Nehemiah makes that great statement in verse 3. He says, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. But in verse 5... They continue uh, realizing that they're not able to distract him, and realizing that they're not able to bring him down. They 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 uh, try a new tactic. They've got a new strategy, and it is a strategy of fear. Look at verse five. The Bible says, "Then Sanballat his serv- uh, then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time." So this is the fifth time they're trying to get Nehemiah to quit building the wall. And the Bible says he sent them with an open letter in his hand. Now here's what you got to understand. What that means is normally you would put a letter in an envelope and seal it and you wouldn't want someone to read the letter that you're sending someone else. But here he sends a letter and it's open. And, and here's the, the purpose. He wants as many people as possible to read it because he's wanting to stir up fear. He's trying to get people, uh, Nehemiah to be afraid. And the way that he's going to get Nehemiah to be afraid is by getting as many people to believe a lie uh, and a slander. Of Nehemiah. Look at verse 5 again. Then sent Sambalad his servant unto me in like manner, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And he sent an open letter because he wanted him to read it. Look at verse 6. He wanted others to read it. Wherein was written, it is reported. Here's, here's what he says. He said, People are saying about you, Nehemiah. It is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel. For which cause thou buildest the walls, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what people are saying about you, Nehemiah, is that the only reason you're building the wall is because you actually want to rebel against the king, and you want to become the king of Jerusalem, and that's what the heathen are saying. Now, you know, if you've been studying the book of Nehemiah with us, that that is the furthest thing from the truth. Nehemiah was a servant of the king. Nehemiah had gotten permission from the king. If you remember the the one of the first sermons we preached in Nehemiah, the king had given him permission and provision and protection, everything that Nehemiah done had came from the king and was, uh, you know, on the up and up. But here they are saying to Nehemiah, you know, people are saying, Nehemiah, that you think to rebel, that you're actually trying to lift yourself up and that you want to become the king. They're saying it is reported. These are the rumors. Look at verse 7. And thou has also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying there is a king in Judah. And, how shall it be report, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, not only are you wanting to be the king, you're actually hiring prophets to come in and say, you know, God has appointed Nehemiah as a king. But notice verse 8 where it says, uh, where, I'm sorry, verse 7 where it says, now shall it be reported to the king. Here's what they're saying. We're going to tell on you, Nehemiah. We're going to go tell the king that you are actually going to rebel and that you are hiring these prophets and that you're building the wall because you want to rebel against the king. And they said, now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Remember, that's what they were trying to get him to do. They wanted him to stop building the wall. They wanted him to meet with him. And now, you know, they tried distracting him. They tried inviting him. They tried saying, hey, come, let's have a cup of coffee. And he said, no, I'm not coming off the wall. Now they're saying, well, you know what we've heard about you, Nehemiah? We've heard that you are rebelling and We've heard that you've hired prophets, and we heard this, and we heard that, and we're going to tell the king, why don't you come down and talk with us? Now notice what the Bible says in verse 8, how Nehemiah responded. Then I said unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest. He says, None of that is true. He says, You're lying. But thou feignest them out of thine own heart, verse 9. And here's what I want you to focus on. Notice what he says. For they all made us afraid saying, their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And he, this was the tactic. This was the strategy. This was their goal. They wanted Nehemiah. And here's what you got to understand. The enemy always wants to put you in fear. He wants you to be afraid. Notice, skip down to verse number 13, just real quickly. Notice what he says in verse number 13. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid. you see that? and do and, and do so in sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. Look at verse 14. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Son Ballad, according to these their works, and on the prophetess Noadi, uh, and the rest of the prophets. Notice what he says. Last part of verse 14. That would have put me in fear. Look at verse 19. Last verse in the chapter. Notice what he says. Also they reported his good deeds before me, and uttered my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters. Why? To put me in fear in fear. And here's what you got to understand. The strategy, the tactic that is always employed to try to stop us is fear to try to get us to be afraid. You say, well, why does the enemy want to get Nehemiah to be afraid? Why does the enemy want us to be afraid? Why does he want us to be scared? Scared. Look at verse 9. And here's, fear is meant to weaken you. Look at verse 9. For they all made us afraid, saying, here's the result of fear, and their hands shall be weakened from the work. Let it be not done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hand. So here's what he's saying. Here's what they understand. If I can make you afraid, then that will cause you to be weak because if you're afraid of your opponent, then you're not going to want to fight your opponent. And they said, they made us afraid, saying, their hands shall be weakened. Now, go with me to the book of Proverbs. Let me show you just one verse in Proverbs. You're there in Nehemiah. If you go past the book of Nehemiah, you'll go past Esther, Job, Psalms, and you'll have the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 29 and verse number 25. So you got Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs 29, 25. Proverbs 29 and verse number 25. Notice what the Bible says about fear. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. The word snare means a trap. The Bible says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Now here's what you got to understand about fear. Fear is meant to weaken you, but fear is meant to hinder you. See, fear will capture you like a trap. Fear will trap you. Fear, fear will hinder you. You'll be ready to do something. You'll be ready to preach something. You'll be ready to fight something. You'll be ready to build a wall. But if the enemy knows, if he can get you afraid, if he can get you scared, if he can get you to be and, and and a little timid, then he says he can trap you because the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a trap. It's a snare. It's a hindrance. It's meant to stop you. Fear is meant to weaken you. And fear is meant to stop you. And you've got to understand this. Go, you're there in the book of Proverbs. Go into the book of Jeremiah. If you're in Proverbs, just keep going. Past Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. And you'll find the book of Jeremiah. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Here's what you've got to understand. Bible-believing and Bible-preaching Christians have always had people try to put them in fear. If you are doing something for God... If you are accomplishing something for God, if you are taking a stand for the things of God, you will always have someone that's trying to make you afraid. Notice Jeremiah chapter 1. In Jeremiah chapter 1, it's a famous passage. The prophet Jeremiah is being called into the ministry, and he's being God is, is calling him to, to the ministry of being a prophet, and to preaching on, on the behalf of God. But notice what God says to Nehemiah, verse 7. He says, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child... For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou uh, shalt speak. So that's what a preacher is supposed to do. Whatever God commands you, that's what you're supposed to speak. Whatever thus saith the Lord, that's what I'm supposed to preach. But notice what he says in verse 8. He says, but Nehemiah, you got to understand. I'm sorry, Jeremiah, you got to understand this. Look at verse 8. He says, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And you may not understand that, maybe you've never preached a sermon, but sometimes you get up here and you start preaching things that people don't like and their faces let you know they don't like what you're saying. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're growling at you. And they're upset and Jeremiah was told by God, he said, you're going to preach whatsoever I command thee that thou shalt speak. But he says, but Jeremiah, let me just warn you. Let me tell you right now, you start preaching, you start taking a stand, you start doing something for God. People are going to get upset. People are going to get mad. They're going to try to scare you. They're going to try to intimidate you. They're going to try to get you to be afraid so that you will not preach. And he says, be not afraid of their faces. He said, Don't be afraid, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Go to Ezekiel chapter 2. God said the same thing to Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel. You're there in Jeremiah. Pass lamentations into the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2. Look at verse 5. Ezekiel the prophet was told the same thing. Ezekiel chapter number 2. Look at verse 5. Ezekiel chapter 2. You're there in Jeremiah. Lamentations is a small book. Then you got the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2. Notice verse 5. The Bible says, And they, whether they will hear, Or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. He's telling them, hey, you preach, and they may listen, and they may not. They may like it, and they may not. It may be good, or it may be mad, it doesn't matter, but you preach what I tell you to preach, and they'll know that a prophet hath been among them. Look at verse 2. And thou, son of man, he's talking to Ezekiel, the preacher, he says, be not afraid of them. Neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. He's saying, don't be afraid. He said, they're going to try to make you be afraid, Ezekiel, when you start preaching. They're going to try to make you afraid, Jeremiah, when you start doing something. They're going to try to make you afraid, Nehemiah, when you start building something and accomplishing something. People, the tactic of Satan is to get you to be scared. And that's usually why we don't accomplish anything for God. That's right. The average Christian, say, the average Christian says, "I don't want to go out soul winning. I don't want to go knock on a stranger's door and try to present the gospel to them. I don't want to give the gospel to my neighbors or my coworkers or my friends. I don't want to talk to my, uh, you know, people that I know about salvation, about the Lord Jesus Christ." And when it comes down to it, here's the reason they don't want to do it: it's because they're afraid. Christians say, "I can't tithe. I can't give." I mean, God wants me to give 10% of my income. I and mean, here's the thing. Most people want to give, but here's why they don't give. Because they're afraid. See, we're hindered. So, you know, I, I know people, they, they won't get baptized. They are saved. They know they're saved. They don't get baptized. Why? Because they're afraid. Are they afraid of water? Some of them are, you know, but they're just afraid of being out in public in front of people. They just don't want to take that step. They're just scared, you know. I I, I mean, we live in a society where we are made to be afraid. You you know, a a preacher stands up and says, you know, the Bible says for for young ladies, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give down occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, and we'll stand up and say, hey, it is God's will uh, for a wife to stay home and raise her children and homeschool her kids and and, and And the husband ought to go out and work. And people say, well, I can't do that. I mean, I can't. You know, if my wife quits her job, our income. And and, it comes down to this. They're afraid. They're scared. They just, well, I don't know. I mean, if I did, if I took out that step. You know, and today we're being made and we're being taught and we're being conditioned and we're being programmed to be afraid. And their faces and their looks and their comments. And their letters and their emails are meant to put us in fear. Go to 1 Kings chapter 15. 1 Kings chapter 15. If you start at the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings. Go to 1 Kings. If you can find those First and Second books, you got 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. Go to 1 Kings. I was, I was writing the sermon. I thought, you know, what would be an example of something that people are trying to scare us about right now? And you know, right now, I feel like the biggest thing, I mean, there's so many things. The Bible talks, you know, we would preach about, every time I preach on spanking, someone wants to, I'm going to call CPS, you know, and they're trying to get us to be scared about all sorts of things we believe. But, you know, I believe the biggest thing that the society and the world is trying to make us to be afraid of as Christians is to not speak against the homosexual movement today. There is this sodomite, homosexual agenda being thrown in our faces everywhere you turn. People want you to just accept it and to be okay with it and normalize it. And today, Christians are being made to feel like, I can't speak against that. And I can't say what the Bible says. And I can't take a stand and say, well, you know, I actually, I think the Bible, you know, I don't think God's actually for it. And, and we're made to feel afraid that, you know, and scared. And here's what it is. What are people going to think? Because think about what was Nehemiah? What was the fear tactic? See, for Nehemiah, it wasn't that they were going to persecute him. That's something to be afraid of in the future, right? Persecution. It wasn't that they were going to throw him in jail. That's something to be afraid of for us in the future. And it's it's interesting because uh, tonight in in, in our chapter in Isaiah deals with fear also. So we'll be preaching on fear tonight as well. It just kind of worked out that way. Uh, But a different aspect of fear, and we'll we'll look at that tonight. But here's the thing. In the United States of America, we have the same thing to fear that Nehemiah had. Because really, I mean, how many preachers are getting thrown into prison in the United States of America? I mean, how many, how many preachers are being persecuted and, and stoned, you know, or, 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 or being, you know, uh, ran out of town? It, here's the thing. Here's what they're trying to make us to be afraid. What are people going to think about you, Nehemiah? We're going to go tell people that this is what you're doing. And Nehemiah was supposed to be scared to say, well, I don't want people to think back. And that's the same tactic that's being used against us today. A preacher stands up and says, hey, the Bible says that sodomy is an abomination before God. It's filthy. It's sinful. It's wrong. It's reprobate. And we're meant to you know, to just be like, I can't, you can't say that today. And listen, you've got to understand this. Historically in Scripture, the people of God have always been Against and never wanted to be near and around the sin of sodomy. Let me show it to you. Are you there in 1 Kings chapter 15? Look at verse 11. First Kings chapter 15, verse 11. Whenever there was a great revival in the nation of Israel, notice First Kings 15, 11. The Bible says, And Asa, Asa was a king that brought revival. I just want you to notice what the Bible says. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now isn't that good? I mean, isn't that what we all want to be said of us as Christians? I mean, hopefully you're a Bible-believing Baptist Christian here today. Hopefully there's somebody here who believes the Bible and says, I want to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord, right? I mean, I want to live for God. I want to have uh, the blessing of God in my life. I want God to look at my life and say, well, thou, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But notice, verse 11, and Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. What did Asa do that was right in the eyes of the Lord? Look at verse 12, and he took away the Sodomites out of the land. See, when people start getting right with God, when people start getting close to God, in the Bible, I'm not talking about our society. I'm not talking about the way that our you know, culture thinks today. But in the Bible, when people got close to God, they got away from the Sodomites. And when Asa said, hey, we're going to bring revival to this nation. He said, well, what are we going to do, Asa? Well, we're going to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. Well, what are we going to do, Asa? Well, why don't we start with taking away the Sodomites out of the land? And remove all the idols that their fathers have made. Go to uh, First Kings twenty-two. Look at verse forty-six. Later on, we have a young man, Josiah. Josiah brings revival. Notice what Josiah does. 1 Kings 22, verse 46. 1 Kings 22 and verse 46. The Bible says this, And the remnant of the Sodomites... Because here Josiah picks up where Asa left off. And Josiah is kind of bringing that revival back. And he says, The remnant of the, of the Sodomites, meaning the ones that got away from Asa. He says, And the remnant of the Sodomites, which remained in the land of his father, Asa, he took out of the land. Look at verse 7 of, of chapter 23. 1 Kings 23, look at verse 7. And he, Josiah break down the houses of the sodomites he said i don't want them in town he said, "I don't want them living here." You got to understand this. See, see, this messes up the Christianity, the the Christianity that you're used to watching on TV and the Christianity you're lo- used to listening to on the radio. The liberal, you know, anything goes. Just put money in the offering plate. Christianity. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. The, that Christianity does not jive with the Word of God. When the Bible says God's people, when they got right with God, they want nothing to do with the sodomites. They wanted them out of the land. They broke down their houses. They said, don't live here. Go away. Go somewhere else. There, was, uh, there were by the house of the Lord uh, where the women were hanging uh, for the grove. And, and by the way, in Old Testament Israel, they were putting them to death. Leviticus 20, 20 13 says, if a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, they both have committed abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's what they were doing. You say, well, I can't believe that you would say it. I know. You're trying to get me to be scared to say it. But it's the word of God, is what the Bible says. And today, we have Christian after Christian, church after church, just saying, oh, we're going to accept the sodomites. We're going to bring them in. Let's go ahead and have the you know, same-sex marriages. And God loves them. Listen to me. The Bible says that we are, have nothing to do with those people. That's right. Amen. I can't believe you would say that. I can't believe that people think that. I mean, that's hate speech. Hates hey, the word of God. And people will say to me, go to Romans chapter 1. Let's just go ahead and... Because people say, well, that's the Old Testament. Okay, well, let's go to Romans and look at it in the New Testament. People say to me, well, you, do you guys have a ministry for Sodomites? No. <laughs> Are Sodomites welcomed here? No. What would you do What, what, you have something, what would you do if, uh, what's that guy, that freak's name? What would you do if Bruce Jenner showed up? We'd kick him out. We, I'd, I'd, I'd grab a couple 12-year-old girls and let them handle him. <laughs> No, I'd let the ushers do it. I told the ushers, hey guys, this one time you're allowed to hit a girl. You know? But here's the thing, people say, "Well, say, oh, I can't believe you're saying that. Listen to me. L- listen to what you're thinking. See, some of you are offended right now. You're like, I can't believe, I don't know that you should be saying that. Think about the fact that there is a guy who neutered himself, turned himself into a woman, and we're the... You know, the, the freaks and the hate mongers, we're the ones that are wrong for preaching against it and saying it's wrong and it's filthy and it's perverted and it's not gonna be allowed at Verity Baptist Church. Listen to me, I don't want a sodomite sitting next to my kids. I don't know if you know this, but they're not reproducers. They're recruiters and they want your kids. And we don't want them here. And they're not welcomed here. And if you don't like that, you're what's wrong with America. Because there was a time in our country when normal, I'm not talking about even Christian people, I'm just talking about normal people were so disgusted, they were so appalled, they were so infuriated by the sin of sodomy that they were scared to come out of the closet. And today we have parades all over. Gay pride. And we're supposed to be afraid to preach against it. It's what the Bible says. Are you there in Romans? Well, I think you should reach out to them. Well, let's see what God thinks. Does God think we should reach out to them? Are you there in Romans chapter one? Let me ask you this: Is the book of Romans enough of a New Testament book for you? I mean, it's pretty. I mean, we're already past the Gospels, back back, uh, past the book of Acts. We're pretty deep into the New Testament. People say, "Well, the Old Testament." I'm pretty sure that it's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I I think that all the Bible is inspired. I think it's all profitable. I think it's all good. But let's go ahead and look at the New Testament and see what the New Testament says. Romans chapter one, look at verse twenty-four. Now, I want you to notice what the Bible says, Romans 1.24. Wherefore, God also, now I want you to help me read these next three words, all right? Don't be scared, don't be afraid. You're not going to come and get you. God also, can you help me read these next three words? Gave them up. Do you see that? Now, God also, what did God do? He gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, For this cause God, can you read that? Can you just help me read those next three words? For this cause God, what? Gave them up unto vile affections for even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error. You can write age right next to that. Which was mean, look like at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God, can you just read the next few words with me? God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The word reprobate means rejected. It means I, He wants nothing to do. To a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not... Let me me ask you something. Why should I be reaching out to someone that God gave up on? I mean, God said he gave them up. He gave them up. He gave them over. He said, I'm done with them. He said, I have no need for them. I have no use for them. Why would we bring them in here and minister to them when God gave up on them? When God wants something to do with them. When God says, I've rejected them, they're reprobates. Why would we bring them in? And by the way, we're not bringing in pedophiles either. Oh, you need to have a ministry for the pedophiles. They can have a ministry for pedophiles down the street. They don't have to teach their Sunday schools over there. They're not coming in here. And transgenders aren't coming in here. This is the house of God. These are God's people. We are supposed to be holy and peculiar and separated unto God. Why would we bring the perverts and the filth of this world to be around the people of God? People say, well, you can't preach like that today. Why are you trying to make us fear? Why do you want us to be afraid? Why do you want us to be scared? Why are you trying to put fear in our hearts? Why? Here's why. Because you don't want us to say Because you want us to be hindered. Because you want us to feel trapped. Because you want. But listen to me. There's a church in Sacramento that's going to preach the Bible. You say, well, what if they come and get you? I don't. Know. Who's going to come and get us? I, I don't know. If they come and get us, that's fine. We'll just preach the word. Right. Why aren't you afraid of going to prison? Look, people went to prison in the Bible all the time. I mean, have you ever read the book of Acts? Every other chapter they're being thrown in prison. Say, so, well, we can't do it. Look, if Paul could do it, then we can do it I can do all things through Christ's strength strengthens me. Look, I'm not looking for the next ticket in, but listen, if it means preaching the word of God, we ought to preach the word of God. He said, well, they're trying to fear. They're trying to, you know, get you to be afraid. You ought to never be afraid. Amen. Because fear will trap you. Fear will hinder you. Fear. You, people say, well, if you preach like that, aren't you afraid people are going to leave? Aren't you afraid that the offerings are going to run out? And aren't you afraid? Hey, listen to me. Before you got here, you know, we were fine. We, we were meeting in a house. We were bringing in like $200 a month. And God took care of us. And if you get mad and leave, that's fine. God will just bring someone else. God will just grow. You know, it's God's church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Go back to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9. Say, well, how do you overcome fear? Because, Pastor, I'm just a little afraid. I'm, just, I'm a little scared. I mean, you, you, you say these things, and I know that's what the Bible says, and I understand, but I, I don't know if I take that stand. I mean, maybe the people are going to think I'm weird, and my neighbors are going to think I'm weird, and my coworkers are not going to like me. I, I'm just a little afraid. How do you overcome fear? Well, notice how Nehemiah did it. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9. He said, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. Now, therefore, notice what Nehemiah does. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hand. And here's what's interesting about the Bible, okay? Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. First, of the beginning, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There is a connection in Scripture. I'm just going to show you a few references. I could show you a lot more, but I, I won't do it for take of time. But there is a connection between acknowledging the presence of God, And receiving strength from God. Because here's what Nehemiah does. He acknowledges God. He said, oh God, strengthen my hands. Because what does fear do? It weakens you. What does fear do? It traps you. It hinders you. It stops you. And Nehemiah understood. He said, if I can just acknowledge the fact that God is with me. That God sent me here. That God wants me to build this wall, and it is God's will that I'm doing, and I'm following God's command, and, and I'm in the will of God. He said, then I don't have to worry about what people think. I don't have to be scared. I can be strengthened if I acknowledge that God is with me. You'll find this all throughout the Bible. Are you there in Deuteronomy chapter 7? Look at verse 21. Deuteronomy chapter 7, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21. Deuteronomy 7, 21. Deuteronomy seven twenty-one knows what the Bible says. And, you know, people say to me all the time, well, I have a family member. Listen, everyone has a family member that's a sodomite. <laughs> I mean, if, good night. If, if, I, if I couldn't preach about everything that, you know, everything that you're into or your family members are into, I mean, we couldn't preach about anything. And by the way, that's why these contemporary Christian churches, all they preach about is grace and mercy and love. And there's a place for grace and there's a place for mercy and there's a place for love. But there's also a place for the Old Testament. There's a place for every word of God to be preached. Paul said the whole counsel of God is what needs to be preached. Deuteronomy chapter 7, look at verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 7, 21. You say, well, where do I get strength? When I'm scared. Where do I get strength? When I'm tempted to not give that tithe check because I'm so afraid. Where do I get strength? When I'm tempted to not preach the gospel because I'm kind of scared. Where do I get strength? When I'm tempted to not preach what the Bible says because they might leave or they might get upset. Where does that strength come from? Deuteronomy 7, verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. Thou shalt not be affrighted at them. Why? For the Lord thy God is among you. A mighty God and terrible. He says, look, if you realize that God is with you, you don't have to be afraid of anybody. That's right. Look at Deuteronomy 31, look at verse 6. You're there in Deuteronomy 7, just flip a few pages over to chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31, look at verse 6, notice what he says. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, notice what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 31, and verse 6. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Deuteronomy 31, and verse 6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. I like to quote in the bulletin, courage is not the absence of fear, but the overcoming of fear. He says, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not. You find that phrase, fear not, all throughout the Bible. I think the the actual phrase, fear not, sounds 62 times in the Bible. He says, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. Why? Why should I not have to be afraid of them? For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. Do you see that? He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 7, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people into the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Look at verse 8, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. You say, well, where do you find the strength to not be afraid? When you acknowledge the fact that God's with me, that God will not leave me, that God will not forsake me, that God will not fail me, that whatever comes, whatever man can do to me, God is with me, then I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be. You say, well, they're causing us to fear, and they're saying all these lies about us, and it's not true, and they're slandering us, and they're spreading rumors. Look, if God for us, who can be against us? And if God's with me, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be scared. Say, well, what you're saying is illegal. It doesn't matter if God's with me because we ought to obey God rather than men. Go to Joshua chapter 1. There we saw the Deuteronomy version of it, but we see it again in Joshua. Once Moses dies, notice what Joshua was told. Joshua's one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, and I think he was really scared. Because over and over and over, God's telling him through Moses and hearing Joshua, he's telling him, be strong and have a good courage. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Notice what he says. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9. Have not I commanded thee. Be strong and of a good courage. How do I do it, God? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. How, God? For the Lord thy God is with thee. Amen. Whether so ever thou was. Remember Psalm 23? Go to Psalm 23. Let's, look, let's look, look at it together. You can probably quote it, but I want you to see it. Remember Psalm 23? Look at verse 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Those are all great verses. But Remember verse 4? Psalm 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death, when I'm getting ready to die, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You say, what is the key? What is the key to fear, conquering fear, overcoming fear? Acknowledging that God is with you. Because here's the thing, if I'm I'm alone, then I've got something to be afraid of. Because here's the thing, I'm just not that tough. I'm pretty tough. No, you're not. Satan can hurt you. Satan can bring you down. Satan can tear you down. The enemy can make you afraid. The only thing that gives us courage is knowing that God is with us. So how do you overcome fear? Through God. Why aren't you afraid to say these things? Aren't you afraid that they're going to come take away your king? You know, I, I'm going to fight it. But I'm not afraid. You know why? Because God's with me. Because God's with us. You say, well, what do we do with this, Pastor? I mean, what am I supposed to do with this, with this whole idea of fear? And I'm afraid, and I'm not supposed to be afraid because God's with What do I do with it? It's real simple, okay? Here's the whole application. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Just real quickly. First book in the New Testament. We're almost done. The application is very simple, okay? Fear not. That's it. Fear not. Say, I'm afraid. What do I do? Stop. Stop being afraid. Stop fearing. This was a commandment that, God, that Jesus gave to his disciples over and over and over again. He kept rebuking them for the fact that they were afraid. They were afraid that the ship was going to sink. They were afraid that Jesus was sleeping. They were afraid that Jesus wasn't with them. They were afraid of this. They were afraid of that. They were afraid. And Jesus kept saying, over and over and over and over, fear not. Stop being afraid. Notice what he says in Matthew 10, 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. We'll talk more about that tonight in Isaiah. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. See, here's the thing. You ought not be afraid of what man will do to you for preaching and standing for the truth of God's word. You ought to be afraid of what God's going to do to you if you don't preach what he told you to do. He says, don't fear them. The worst thing they can do is just kill your body. He said, but you ought to be afraid of him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So that's what we should, should be afraid of. And here's the thing if that powerful God is on my side, I have nothing to be afraid of. Go, to, go back to Nehemiah chapter 6, look at verse 10. So what's the application this morning? Stop being afraid. Stop fearing. Every week over the Nehemiah series, I've been giving you a different question. The question this week is this What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What is that has you scared? I mean, for some of you, it's soul winning. You say, I know I should be out there. I know I should be going, but I'm just so scared. And I'm just so nervous, and I just, I just don't know what I'm going to say. For some of you, God, you, you, the Holy Spirit's been laying someone on your heart. It's someone that's close to you. It's a friend. It's a coworker. It's a neighbor. You know you should approach them about the gospel. You know they're not safe, but you're just afraid. What are they going to think? For some of you, it is giving. You're just afraid. I don't know. I mean, if I give my money to the church, I mean, is God going to be able to take care of me? For some of you, it's baptism. For some of you, it's, you know, how you ought to discipline your children. For some, I don't know what it is. For some of you, ladies, you're afraid. Of, well, if I do what the Bible says and I submit to my husband and the wife, is he going to take advantage? But here's the thing if God is for you and you're obeying God, just let God take care of you. And I don't know what it is that you're afraid of, but here's the thing what are you scared about? So, well, I'm scared about this. Stop. Because there, there's a danger to fear. Okay, there's a problem. You say, well, why, what's so bad about being afraid? Here's what's wrong with being afraid. Whenever you make a decision based on fear, you will make the wrong decision. Let me show it to you. You're there in Nehemiah chapter 6, look at verse 10. We're almost done. Notice what the Bible says. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 10. Afterward, I came into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabil, who was shut up. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. Now you have a guy coming to Nehemiah and saying, Hey, Nehemiah, I heard something. They're going to come kill you tonight. Come with me to the temple. Let's go to the temple so we'll hide you there and we'll protect you. Verse 11. You said, well, what's the problem with that? Here's the problem with that. Nehemiah was supposed to go in the temple. In fact, only the priest was supposed to go in the temple. and Only the high priest was supposed to go into the inner part of the temple. And if you remember from the book of Isaiah, there was a king named Uzziah who went into the temple. And, and when he wasn't supposed to, and God gave him leprosy." It wasn't Nehemiah's place to go into the temple. Notice verse 11. And I said, here's what Nehemiah said. Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceive that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Zimbalat had hired him. And here's what's funny. They're accusing Nehemiah of hiring prophets When they're actually the ones hiring a prophet to preach falsely and try to get Nehemiah to get scared and make the wrong decision based on his fear. Look at verse 13. Therefore, was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin, and that they might have a matter of evil to report that they might reproach me. Here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to get Nehemiah to be scared so that in that fear, he would make the wrong choice. He would sin against God. Then they would have something to accuse him of. And say, remember, because remember a few weeks ago, we learned about the power of Nehemiah's integrity to influence others. He had integrity. He walked with God. And they were trying to get him to sin against God. And then they would, and by the way, that's how Satan works. Satan will tempt you. Say, why don't you come over here? This is so much fun. Why don't you come over here? There's pleasure in sin. He'll get you to sin. And then as soon as you fall for it, he say, look what he did. And point at it. And that's what they were trying to get Nehemiah to do. They say, Hey, Nehemiah, why don't you come hide in the temple? They're going to come get And as soon as he would step stepped in the temple, they would have said, Look at Nehemiah. He went in the temple. He's not a priest. And they were trying to get him to sin. And here's what you're going to understand. Every time you make a decision based on fear, you will make the wrong decision. You get all scared about your finances. You start making financial decisions based on fear. You will always make the wrong decision. Because the Bible says that God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And we should not walk in fear. And we should not be afraid. Because if God is with me, Nehemiah says, who am I? He said, I don't have to hide. I don't have to run. If God's protecting me, if this is what God wants me to do, then I will be fine. I'm not going to sin. And notice his response again, verse 14. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sambalat, according to these, their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. How does he respond to fear? He acknowledges the fact that he's doing the work that God called him to do. So here's the question for you. What are you afraid of? What are you scared about? What is it that you say, I just don't know. I mean, if I do that, I just don't know how it's going to turn out. If you're doing what God wants you to do, then just acknowledge the fact that if God is with me, I have nothing to fear. Let's bow our heads and have a word.